Beth, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Jordan. How are you? I'm good. I, I, most people don't watch on YouTube, but I should have grabbed a hat. This is not a great look for me, but if you're listening on, <laughs> on Spotify or whatever, you're, you're good. You're saved. How, how is everything going over there? It's good. It's busy, busy, but good. I'm getting ready to go to Florida next week for a convention with NCI. Um, so yeah. Tell, tell me about that. What are you doing? We are, well, uh, let's see, Alan Aragon um, is going to be speaking, Lane Norton, and also I'm a part of NCI, so I'm going for business as well. You're not speaking at this one. I know you're speaking at Coaches. No. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We're going to talk, I want to pick your brain a little bit about that, just about what you're talking about. I know just like I remember congratulating you when I saw you were on there and I'm, I'm, you're going to do great, by the way. So I want to hear about what you want to talk about there, but give a little, a uh, little bit of an intro for people that listen to my podcast, don't know who you are or do, but want to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. So my name is Beth Wilkes Farrako. I'm a nutrition strength and mindset coach, I guess you could say. Um, I have a coaching business called Beth Farrako Fitness, Team BFF. Um, I have coaches on my team. Um, we help people heal the relationship with food, get strong, and ditch yo-yo dieting forever. That's awesome. And I, I'm, I've, known, <laughs> I've known Renee for a long time. Renee works with you. Um, fantastic coach. Yeah. Amazing person. Just awesome. So that's, that's as much as I know about what you guys do as far as coaching, but I know she really enjoys it and, and she's a great coach, great person. She is, yeah. Patty's coaching for me too. Oh, Patty too. Oh my God, Patty too. Sorry, Patty. Patty's going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. Good squad. Good squad. Good squad. That's excellent. Yeah, that's good awesome. squad. How long have they been for working sure. with you? We, we met, by the way, we met in Austin, uh, I don't know, two, uh, 18 so, months ago or something. Were they working yeah. with you then? Patty's been working me with me since then. Renee, um, I believe, is over a little over a year. And then I have a few of inner, all my coaches are, I've known or have worked with. So it, most of them are inner circle members. There's a six total right now, and I'm looking for a couple more, but um, I have Iris, um, I, you know, Iris deadlifts and Brooke, um, get you a Brooke. She's also a coach, um, coach oh, Christie. You know, this is a good squad. Yeah. These it's a really eggs. good squad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Very, very exciting. Handpicked by you. I'm sure that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, great. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear just a little bit, just a little bit how people get into the fitness space. I mean, you're, um, there's just, everyone has a somewhat of a unique story. Sometimes they're just a similar train of things, but I think that mm -hmm. there's something to learn from. Um, I, not everybody comes from the same place. I think you and I have yeah. slightly different backgrounds of how we got into this. And that's interesting. Yeah. So I'd love to hear just kind of how you got to do what you do. My fitness journey, I guess, into the health and wellness space started when I quit drinking eight years ago. Um, so what happened was I was, when I was quitting drinking, I was going to AA. I met, um, a girl there that was starting a boot camp type thing outside. It was like, let's meet at five 30. A meeting was at seven. So we would meet there and she got me into running. So I actually started off with running, um, so much. So I got plantar fasciitis, shin splints, you know, cause I just quit drinking and running was so fucking hard that I'm like, this is something I want to focus on because it's taking off, uh, taking away from the fact that I want to drink right now. So I threw myself in running. And um, from there, she actually ended up getting a job personal training somewhere else. And I'm like, what am I going to do now? Um, so a gym happened to open up across the street from where I was going to AA. And I started taking classes there at 6 a.m. And so I knew that I can go right from there to my AA meeting. And the reason I had to go there in the morning was because my husband owned a business and I had to be home by like 8 a.m. 8 so I can take care of the kids who were really small at that time. Um, so I started doing that. And then they were looking for a front desk person 
And at the time, my son was just about to start preschool and I, I was a stay at home mom. And I'm like, this would be perfect for me to start doing while my son is going to school. And so I started doing that. And Hunter, who is now my um, business partner, asked me if I wanted to start interning because he feels like I would be a really good coach. And I was like, absolutely. So I started interning there. At that same time, I was start. I uh, found about Jordan Syatt, um, joined his inner circle and was kind of like, you know, on my own fat loss journey. I was, you know, overweight from drinking, over exercising, but not never focusing on my nutrition. And what I learned from taking the classes there is that everyone, all the women in there were working really hard, but, and they were always complaining about how their body wasn't changing. They're not losing weight, but they're exercising. They were there every day with me, you know? <laughs> And kicking ass, but no one was focusing on the nutrition or they were doing crazy fad diets. I remember, you know, keto was like huge then. And so I think I, I dabbled in that a little bit. Um, but that's what got me focused in nutrition first. So I got certified in nutrition. Um, and at the same time was, you know, losing fat and figuring all like the calorie deficit weighing, measuring your food from Jordan Syatt. So it kind of like intertwined. Um, and then I got certified in personal training and then I got my, um, certified functional strength coach cert from Mike Boyle. And then I started teaching, you know, small group personal training classes, group classes, and kind of just went from there. I worked there for about four or five years. Um, right before COVID, I told my that my then boss, Hunter, I'm like, I really want something for myself in case something happens to my husband, because my dad passed away four days before I graduated high school. Um, and left my mom and three, three kids, uh, with nothing. So we went bankrupt, we lost the house. And so I had that vision in my mind that, you know, my husband at the time was kind of my dad's age and I was, you know, PTSD, like, I don't want to be left <laughs> with nothing. Um, so I told him that I was going to join Jordan's, uh, online fitness business mentorship. And like, at some point I was going to start my own online business. And he was like, yeah, that's amazing. Um, but COVID happened. And so I kind of got thrown into it, literally, <laughs> like the gym closed down, you know, I was homeschooling and I was in this business mentorship. So I'm like, what else am I going to do with my time, but throw myself in to creating an online business. And one of uh, Jordan had monthly um, challenges. And one of them was to make a TikTok every day for 30 days. And at first I'm like, fuck that. I, you like my stepdaughter was on it and it was like musically or it was like, you know, it was nothing that I wanted to do. And, um, but I did it and one of my videos went viral and literally I haven't stopped since. <laughs> so that's kind of how that began <laughs> in a small little nutshell. No, that's awesome. We must've been in, in the mentorship at the exact same time. I was in, were the, you in there too? the first round of that mentorship. Yeah. Okay. So you um, were in there with like, um, Ryan Kasim. Yep. Yep. In the, the very beginning. Yep, okay. very beginning. Good times. Definitely. And certainly understand, like definitely was kind of doing a hybrid um, in person online and then COVID hit. And then certainly that that sort of like timeline of like, well, I guess I do this online now. And I guess this is the yeah. only way we're going to do it for sure. I don't I don't want to make a story where there isn't one. And I don't want to pretend like I have any idea what it's like to, to struggle with alcohol addiction. And mm -hmm. but I, and I don't want to make a story where there isn't one. But I'm going to ask anyways, there's something. Yeah about going through that experience and overcoming that and, and overcoming might even be the wrong words, like continuing to work on that for the long term that you take with you into your coaching? I think, oh yeah, for sure. Because I, I think, you know, obviously, you know, no one's addicted to food and sugar and things like that, but there are some apps, aspects of like addiction that do kind of apply to people's behaviors and mindset. Um, So I think that I, 
for me knowing like, honestly, real addiction, uh, I can relate to some people's like str- struggles with food. Like it's a real, real thing. Yeah. And I, and, and you, you're, so. you're right to say that, that technically speaking, there is, you are not addicted to food. You're not addicted to sugar, but I think you're also even smarter to say that practically speaking, that there's enough of an overlap here that there's things to learn. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, you're right. Technically speaking, just like from a physiological perspective, you're not addicted to food, but from a behavior right. perspective, there's enough, of exactly. a, enough of a parallel for you to draw some, some similarities there. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. For yeah, sure. definitely. Awesome. D- d- is there, um, yeah, I was going to say, is there, is there any element of like, of that, that you have had to do with your own journey that, okay, obviously that's something you're paying for in your coaching, but is there something that you find as a thread with your own journey as well that's come from then and, and served you well now? Yeah, because I mean, I struggled with yo-yo dieting. Um, for, I was grew up with a mom that was consistently dieting, like Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers. She was the cardio bunny. In fact, she's like in her 70s and still diets. You know, it's one of those things that I, I feel so bad. It's like she'll never get past that. You know, she has like quit sugar. We used to do two week fasts together. Um, yeah, like the, you know, the lemonade diet, like the maple syrup, cayenne pepper, lemon juice. I drank that for two fucking weeks straight and, and drank smooth move tea at night. Um, I've done the HCG diet. So I've had disordered eating throughout my entire, like, I say teens up until, you know, my early forties. And that was always intertwined with drinking. So I feel like my eating disorders, which I was never diagnosed, but um, my disordered eating, I should say, and my um, addiction were intertwined. So I would do these like, let's say paleo or whole 30 because I, I wouldn't be able to drink. I would do these diets not to drink, which is kind of insane when you think about it. And um, but I would always end up drinking and drinking more after these diets or I would, you know, binge drink and then juice for like a week because that's healthy. Yeah, that's how you detox it. You know, that's how you, you know undo all the I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. so fucking healthy. Let me juice for a week and then start drinking a bottle of wine a night again. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was that person that would give my husband shit for having too much sugar, but I was drinking wine every night. Yeah, so, so you're super, you're super in tune with that sort of uh, just walking contradiction. Yeah, and so that's why I preach a lot. You know, if you hear me talk about diet soda and people comparing that and saying it's horrible, it's like, well, what about alcohol? I was this person that used to give everyone shit for all these things that aren't toxic. Meanwhile, I'm doing the most toxic thing ever. Um, it's kind of hard to uh, face that reality for some people. Yes, it, you know. it, it most certainly is. And and uh, yeah. speaking of parents, it's kind of funny. Like my mom, I love my mom. She, <laughs> she won't listen to this, but I, she, we talk, we laugh about this still. Is like uh, her son is a nutritionist, a strength coach, and all about you know lives in the health space and all this stuff. And she she's my mom, bless her. She's in great shape. She's she lifts weights. She's uh she kills it. I'm I'm proud of her. But like we'll have like a great talk about like oh, increasing protein as you get older. It's like anabolic resistance. Like we need to make, just make sure you're getting enough protein. Like mm-hmm. we'll, we'll she'll always have a question for you when we hang out. And then like, I'll feel like, wow, what a productive chat. Like really had a good chat with my mom. Like I'm happy. Like we're just like doing good by her and she's going to continue to be healthy. And then I'll like go home and metaphorically, I'll like look on my phone and we have like a synced up like Amazon account and there will be like mm-hmm. carb blocker pills like have just been purchased. And I'm like, God fucking damn it. Like, what did we just talk about? Like, and, and so, it's just like, yeah. uh, not that there's no hope. And I'd say that mostly tongue in cheek and it's funny, but I do see that like, um, that generational shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, it's so crazy. The world's getting fatter and fatter. Let's be real. We're getting less and less healthy. Um, yeah. 
but in some ways, maybe just in, it must be because we're in a bubble. I feel like we're making progress, but like maybe we're not, you know, like with the people that are in there, let's say sub 60 years old, I feel like we've nor- we've done a decent job normalizing weightlifting, we're, whatever, we're, we're trying, I guess, but we're yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it do- I do see that generational gap um, that there is definitely yeah. a shift. Yeah, we're trying. It, it's a war. I, I feel like it, it really is. I, I feel the same way as you do, Jordan, when I'm like, oh, I think people are kind of getting it. And then I'll scroll Facebook and, and see these posts. I'm like, no, we're not. We're still here. How are we here? I, you, you know, do you follow people <laughs> just for like, for like, just for, to stay? People are like, uh, somebody will send me a post by, uh, I won't even name who the person is. And I'm like, uh, they're like, this just came up by, on my explore feed. I'm like, oh no, I follow this person. You know why I follow them to like stay mad. Like, I know I'm giving them. <laughs> some help by following them, but I just, it keeps my fire going. Do you have scenarios like that? <laughs> I actually am secretly in like carnivore groups. And, oh, I love it. Um, oh, I love, it. I love joining. I love joining Facebook groups that are fucking crazy. So I can just see what people are talking about. Um, admittedly, that's kind of a thing that oh, I do, that's awesome. but you can learn a lot and see where people are. And it's unfortunate they're you know, people are still afraid of carbs. They're still doing keto. They're still doing, you know, giving up every single fruit and <laughs> there is, um, it's sad. And so all we can do is just keep teaching. I mean, and, and at hopes in some way, I think that there's both, both of both you and I do a little bit of like react content, you know, like I think a portion yeah. of what we do is like, okay, like I want to give good information, but I also want to debunk some of this stuff. And I don't mm-hmm. ever understand at all people who are like, don't tear other people down. Don't like just focus on giving out good information. It's like, no, like mm-hmm. I've actually learned the most ever from people like Lay mm-hmm. Norton who have said, okay, here's something that someone says, here's why it's wrong, here's yeah. the good information. That is by far the best way or the up there with the best ways to learn. Um, you ever get people who say that if you're like uh, not oh, yeah. tearing somebody, but you're, you're like, hey, this is why this thing is wrong. I mean, that's useful content. Why do people not get that? I don't understand. No, I get it. Yeah, I've I've been told that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to let misinformation just keep going by without saying something. That's like, uh, it's those people that want you to be quiet. It's like, oh, if you don't say anything, it doesn't fucking exist. It's like, no, it does exist. And we need to talk about it. And not everyone's going to like it. And that's okay. It's a double whammy. It's like you I'm not only telling you why this thing is wrong, but I'm if you listen and fucking pay attention, I'm also going to give you that good information that you were hoping for. The, The video doesn't end with me being like, that's dumb. It's like, that's dumb. Because, because this and this is the truth yeah. and here you have an opportunity to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's too much misinformation and and people will believe the misinformation rather than the truth because what we have to say is pretty boring. It, it doesn't really change. And it's like they want to see, you know, they thrive on the negativity. They thrive on people telling them what not to eat because you know what? It gives them rules. People like fucking rules. It's like, don't do this, do that. That's that black and white thinking um, that we need to get away from. Yeah, I I uh I wrote something in my newsletter uh, last week or something like that when it was like we actually we know so much about nutrition. Like we actually know a ton about when it comes to nutrition and exercise, how to be healthy. And so if you scroll through social media, it seems like we don't know that much. We're still learning more. We're learning new right. every day. We're learning more every day. Like we're really not. Like yeah. we're, you know, um we're not actually, I promise you, if there's something earth shattering, like I'll let you know. And, and there's data that comes out that like goes on top of a pile of other data that gently mm-hmm. moves the scale, maybe 1% in a direction. But like we are, if your social media is making you feel like nutrition is something we're, we're still figuring out, we are not still figuring it out. People are like, seed oils aren't like, people are like, oh, we're just figuring out that seed oils aren't bad. It's like, well, no, we've always known that seed oils weren't bad. Like there's never right. been 
an, a, 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 a skewed argument towards that side, or like just if you feel if you scroll through social media and you feel like we're just figuring this out, like we're not. Like we've had this figured out for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when people say, "Oh my God, I don't know what to eat anymore. I can't eat anything," it's like <laughs> you're 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 listening to the wrong people. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I see that you have you do some. So I want to ask a bit about okay. So when 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 I ask or I think about okay, I want to I want to talk to Beth about what she's passionate mm -hmm. about right now. What are you what are you passionate about teaching? It, usually, it's like all right, that's kind of stuff that you make content about. But it could mm -hmm. be stuff that you talk about with one on one clients, like. Within the space, we can't all cover everything. What are some yeah. things that you feel as a coach, as a content creator, you're particularly passionate about teaching or coaching or talking about? I think right now, because I'm 50 and going through it, is menopause and being more proactive than reactive. Um, a lot of people are not proactive enough and not starting their health and wellness journey until they're in the thick of menopause when things are hit, shit is hitting the fan and they're blaming everything on menopause when in fact if you were more proactive it probably wouldn't be as bad as it is right now but instead you are trying to fix all these things that have been accruing and adding up through the years and then adding menopause on top of that it's going to make everything a lot harder so being more proactive um, and really helping people heal their relationship with food, um, get into the gym more and start strength training that I'm pretty passionate about, like basically being more proactive about your health. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point, because there's there is there's two ways to talk about like the things that occur you know, perimenopause, let's say. Um, and mm -hmm. one of them is about how things change and how things absolutely do get more difficult and, and also how things don't change in some ways um, mm -hmm. and the wide variety of ways that it affects women. But what you're saying is like, yeah, that's that's one thing we could talk about is like, how do we, uh, you know, optimize those scenarios? How do we make the best of that scenario? But you're saying, hey, the, the best way to make that scenario suck less is to start earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That yeah. If I didn't start in my early forties, I can't imagine where I'd be right now, to be honest. Can you talk a little bit about that for me, just as a, as a man and just always trying to gather more experience yeah. about like the real world, how this has been affecting you? I think, um, in my early forties with drinking, just starting with drinking, I think a lot of women, and this is just the truth are just drinking way too much. Um, and it is affecting their menopausal symptoms and making them feel a lot worse. It's like pouring gasoline, um, on a fire. So that was my, I noticed when I was drinking in my early forties, I just, it wasn't like my thirties. It, I was getting weird, like tachycardia and just weird shit was happening. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is just not normal. <laughs> I think it's just time to cut the shit out. So that was my first step. Um, and then, you know, it, it wasn't, nothing was really too bad. I started strength training. I was taking care of my health until I'd say like 49, like really 50 was when I started getting like hot flashes, um, horrible hot flashes. And I kind of felt a little bit more tired than normal. So I went to my doctor and she put me on low dose birth control, which has actually helped me tremendously. Um, and so I don't have any hot flashes anymore. I sleep really well. I don't really have any symptoms anymore at the moment, but things change all the time. I think we, people have to understand too, you're constantly fluctuating, but if you're doing everything you can, like fiber, protein, strength training, walking, focusing on your sleep, hydrating, you know, you will minimize and ask for help. A lot of women don't ask for help or they'll listen to their doctor that says you're okay. Nothing's wrong. You don't need to do anything. It's like, no, if you're feeling like shit, go somewhere else someone can help you like don't take no for an answer because there is help out there do you get a lot of shouts for the hrt conversation um i think i try not to talk about that too much because they're that's almost out of my scope like i feel like because some people can't use hrt like my doctor suggested not to do that yet and that's like you know i i could use hrt 
if I was to go to some, you know, um, online uh, people are like, Oh, try this online. Da, da, da. They'll test your hormones and give you HRT. It's like, well, I don't really know if I want to do that, but I'm going to go to my doctor first and see what she has to say. Um, so that makes yeah. sense. That, that, that makes sense. I think I'm, I, I tread a similar line as far as discussing that. I also like the bar for like, even I'm not doctors are amazing. We need doctors. I love doctors. Doctors are good. This is not a anti-doctor conversation, <laughs> right. but I, I, get blood work done through through a third party um, and uh, they usually give like doctor consults afterwards. And I know what the company's shtick is. The company's shtick is selling you HRT and T- TRT mm-hmm. in my case. Um, yeah. and, and I remember doing my blood work and, and um, getting, you know, I'm not, listen, I'm not like a blood work guru, but this is what we do. I can, I can take a look at people's blood work and have a general idea of what's going on. And um, mm-hmm. and I, my test was in whatever, let's say like 570 and my free test, free T was like totally fine. Um, and I immediately, and I was like, let me take the consult with this doctor and immediately got just pummeled with, you should take HRT, your, your, mm-hmm. t- your test should be 800 plus. Like, and, and, and I'm like, this is a moment of like, it's not just the, the, the health bodega on the corner. That's like going to sell you these HRT sketch balls. It's mm-hmm. it, it, this is a legit doctor is like on a legit zoom call with me, like telling me that f- my test at 570 at 32 years old with no low mm-hmm. T symptoms at all is like, I should absolutely be on T now for the rest of my life. And so I'm, I'm not wow. saying don't trust your doctor, but I am saying like, right. this is when we talk about HRT, I struggle with just being like, Hey, talk to your doctor. That is great. It's easy for me to, to, to divert and say, Hey, you should go talk mm-hmm. to your doctor. But it's almost it's almost not always that simple. I mean, I, yeah. you have to have somebody you really, really trust. There's a, and then, you know, like I said, there some doctors just brush you off. So women get desperate. Yeah. Um, and True. I get it. Like, I can't imagine if my doctor brushed me off and I was struggling with like s- severe hot flashes that were disrupting my sleep, I would probably go to um, an online uh, someone, someone too, uh, admittedly. Yep. <laughs> yep. That is true. That and I and I and I hear that story quite a bit. So you're good to bring yeah. that up for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a little bit about so I, what's funny is like uh as I don't do a lot of food content and I almost get like laughed at of like uh, people <laughs> just like laugh at my meals and like and I I will say I always say I absolutely love everybody food that goes into my mouth. I'm not a martyr. I don't eat shit that doesn't taste good. I love my food. But yeah. um something I know I lack in my coaching is that um, just maybe that extra step of making things a smidge more fun on that aspect. I think you actually mm-hmm. do a really great job with that. Like, um, not everyone does this. You, I don't know if you know, what's his name? The plant slant. He's got a good, yeah, account. I love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, he does a lot of like food content. He's like, Hey, he's like an interesting, you know, maybe it's a budget friendly option or a simple option. Um, yeah. of like, Hey, this is, you know, high protein dessert, a high protein breakfast or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. you actually do a really great job with that. And I say that because not everyone does food content. So I'm curious why you've decided to do a lot of that. Um, and, and how you think that that's helpful? Um, well, first I love creating recipes. So there's that I've always been a, a good cook. Um, I'm always making food at home and I think I just want to, um, help people create meals that are easy, simple, and that hit all, hit all the basics. Because I think a lot of people think it needs to be complicated and that you can't eat certain things. And that because you're 50, you need to have these fucking bird meals, um, so I want to make, let people know, like, these are plates that they're huge. Like I'm not skimping on the food. I'm getting my protein. I'm getting my fiber. I'm also fitting those fun foods in. Um, so I think that's what I'm trying to, you know, help people realize is that this can be simple. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. Um, and you can do this too. Do you, do you do any like, um, 
just like discussion of balanced meals. Like when you're somebody who's mm -hmm. like building a meal, is that something you have a discussion with the clients? Like, hey, let's, oh, let's yeah. build meals in this sort of structure and what might that mm -hmm. sort of be? I'll say, you know, base all your meals off. Let's pick up a, a favorite protein source from this list, start there and then build everything off that. So, okay, you got your protein. What is going to be your carb source? What's going to be your fat source? What's going to be your veggie? And just having people like visuals, like you can tell them all day long, but if they actually see it, I'm a visualist. And when I see something, I kind of retain it better than if I was just to say, here you go, choose this and, ma and make it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm wondering if you see this too. I'm going to give you an example of something that happens with me with like most clients. And, and I want to see if that's something you see too, is like okay. the, the, the conception or their, their, their understanding of my dog in the background um, uh, of like what a portion of protein mm. or vegetable or fruit is, is mm -hmm. like is oddly low. And that's that's something that was created by them in their brains based on probably how they grew up and, and what was shown mm -hmm. to them as a child. Because, you know, my mom, I'll use my mom as an example, just as her generation, she'll be like, oh, I'm like, what'd you have for breakfast? She's like, oh, I had one egg and one egg white. And she's like, I had my protein. And I'm like, yeah, like that is because to her, that's a serving of protein. It's just not, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, I'm like, mom, I have 10 egg whites, you know, 10, she's like, 10 egg whites, it's so much. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's only 170 calories, you know what I mean? It's like two mm -hmm. eggs, you know? So, yeah. um, and I see that with vegetables too, where like someone will be like, oh, I'll, I'll this is where like, um, just like having a communication with a client sometimes goes awry, mm -hmm. where it's like, what'd you have for lunch? And they're like, Oh, no, I had a turkey sandwich and I had raspberries or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's great. They have fruit, protein, and awesome. And then mm -hmm. I'll, if you don't get it, you know, if you don't ever check in a little bit more, you're like, well, they had like four raspberries. And it's like, right. and it's like you're sometimes, for me, the biggest thing that's been helpful is like just rewriting what that normal, what an actual portion is on a meal. It's like that that little box of raspberries. I know that when we talk about raspberries, it's kind of expensive, whatever. But like that little box, like 170 grams, I'm like, start having that full mm -hmm. box as your whenever you're trying to add that to a meal like whatever your understanding or whatever your intuition is telling you is a serving of protein whatever your intuition is telling you uh, is a serving of vegetables or fruit double it and that might be i might be being over the top there but but you know 1.5 exit you know and, and do you mm -hmm. see that 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 that's like it's not even that people are like under eating like grams of protein like they're counting it and not eating enough it's just that their perception of oh i have a protein on my plate it's just always such a small thing and if we can yeah. get them to rewrite what that normal is it's like that normal is more in like the five to eight ounces of chicken not in the two to three ounces of chicken that that could be super helpful yeah i think um especially with the protein part people are like well i don't know how i'm gonna to hit my protein and not go over my calories. It's like, okay, so you can double the protein at your meal. I, I you know, like instead of three ounces of chicken, why aren't you eating six ounces of chicken? Um, people, they really just want to focus on these little tiny meals. Like they think eating less is going to get them where they need to go. When in fact, when they need to eat more nutrient dense, high volume foods, instead of like the nutrient, oh, what do you want to non-nutrient foods that you know there's this much and i no one can see me i'm like i get like 32 views so someone's gonna see um, it. it's great yeah. you know it's easier to overconsume calories uh with a little bit like a, a slice of pizza yep. or you know a couple donuts yep. here and there yep. um then filling your plate with like see if you were to track your calories which i'm a huge fan of because but like you say what gets measured gets managed and you can understand portions more and be able to figure out what can fit in your day um i think people need to experience with that more and learn about that so they can figure out what portions work for them yeah, I'm not, I don't think there's any single dietary intervention that's perfect. But if we look at Weight Watchers, I think Weight Watchers is not perfect, but 
what Weight Watchers actually does, and, and maybe they've had new iterations since this since the last time I looked, but fruits, vegetables, lean proteins are all zero points. And mm-hmm. and that, I get, the, the point of that is to encourage people to eat more of those things. And I think yeah. that that is an end that does justify that choice of making them zero. Now, it doesn't actually mm-hmm. teach somebody about calories because there's going to be the moment where you have 150 calories and you instead of grabbing the apple that's zero points, you would rather have the Oreos that are X mm-hmm. points. And you you don't teach somebody that, that occasionally making that trade is just fine because, you know, calories are most important. So they miss out on that teaching point. But they mm-hmm. do really encourage people to, hey, like, uh, eat more of these lean proteins, fruits, and vegetables, and don't yeah. worry so much about the fact that they are also calories. Now, of course they are, and, and we can do both. But I, a lot of people, are, oh, should I go over my calories if it means hitting my protein? I'm like, you know, that, that uh, I kind of, I kind of have changed my tune on that a little bit. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. actually, in the short term, if it means like a smidge over your calories, but but you did that like with the extra chicken or with the extra broccoli or some shit, mm-hmm. I kind of want people to do that. And I know that this it's a situational kind of answer there, but yeah, I've, I've kind of just rechanged my tune of like, not just hammering the calories, calories, calories. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I want you to go over by a hundred if that means 50 extra grams of protein, because right. I know that in the long term, I bet you you're so fucking full from that yeah, trade that's that this, thing. This, train, mm-hmm. this, this course corrects on its own. Yeah. Yeah. If you focus just on protein and fiber, you're going to be pretty full and you're probably not going to snack or eat as much as you used to. Do you, for sure. Do you give people not give people or at least have a discussion about like um, per meal targets or per day targets or a bit of both? Um, or is it yeah, is it is it different from client? to client? I try to I notice a trend with people if they're uh, eating more protein in the morning um, that they're hitting their protein goals a lot easier. So I say, you know, try to get most of your protein um, in the morning. And that way you're not like trying to play catch up at freaking 5 p.m. with 100 grams of protein, you yep. know? Yep. Um. So that's a good strategy I found. Yeah, breakfast, definitely the the hiccup for most people. Just because this limited, mm-hmm. this limited, there's like societally speaking, like from a norm perspective, there's less options. I mean, you could have steak for breakfast, just like people not doing that though. Yeah. I I see a lot of smoothies and bars for breakfast or no breakfast uh, until 11, which they're like, I'm intermittent fasting, then they'll have a fucking bar. Um, And then at night, they just go ham on everything. Yep. It's it's because, yeah, you're not eating any satisfying meals. You're not getting any protein in. Um, Of course, you're going to binge at night. You're not setting yourself up for success. You're at 3 p.m. You are so hungry. You're just going to snack until dinner and then you eat dinner. You're going to snack again until you go to bed. The eat, there is something scary, I think, a lot of times for uh, for people that are encouraged to eat more earlier in the day. I get, I get it. I mean, it's, it's just like makes perfect sense of your assumption that you will be hungry later. But mm-hmm. it, it, I would, I can't even think of a time where we've skewed calories earlier in the day, protein earlier in the day, fiber earlier in the day, just satiety earlier in the day, and it hasn't worked out really great. Um, right. Better energy throughout the day, like less cravings, less food focus. And then the interesting thing is is like, yeah, okay, yes, you have less calories for later, but you've been more satiated throughout the day. You've had less food focus. So some of those like non-biological drives to eat, that psychological pressure that builds up, it's not Mm -hmm. there in the evening. And so, yeah, yeah, you have less calories later, but you're just psychologically in less of a state of like being just savagely needing to eat a ton. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Famine, exactly. So that usually works out positively, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And I get like some people need to kind of intermittent fast because that's their schedule um, and it works for them. So, you know, I'm not downplaying people's eating habits, but also, yeah. Um, Also, I've seen people that do intermittent fast that binge at night and it's like, that's not working for you, apparently. (laughs) 
and even if you enter in fast, you could, I would still say, okay, like we could still do that, but like, don't, don't break, don't break your fast fucking air quotes with like, with like a, with like, you know, uh, a bar, yeah, a bar or, or just like a protein shake in water, like, like mm -hmm. have a first meal is whatever your first meal of the day is. If it's eight o'clock, six o'clock, eight o'clock, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, like make it a hearty meal, high in protein, satiated yeah. meal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been on this. Um, so, so you make a lot of food posts. I think you do a great job with it. it it's nice. It's simple. It's fun. I mean, it makes this, you know, everybody can say, oh, I eat chicken. I used to work with a trainer back in the day. He was like, just telling his clients, just eat fucking chicken and broccoli. It's not that hard, <laughs> you know? Um, but that isn't the case in the real world. We need to, we need right. to find, meet people where they're at with a level of fun and, and taste and, and, and just over time move their palate. Um, and mm -hmm. I've been on this like tirade of like, I don't know why I was sitting in the kitchen with Jenna the other day and we had raspberries. And I just was eating them and I'm like, these are fucking candy. I'm like, they taste so good. And I was thinking mm -hmm. to myself, like, if you eat these raspberries and you don't think they taste like candy, like your diet's fucked. And I'm and I'm going over the top there. But what I mean is that like, is that your palate changes over time. And so yeah. when people move to a more nutritious diet, sometimes it takes time for that stuff to be more enjoyable because your mm -hmm. it's almost like your taste buds are like referencing it in comparison to a Reese's cup. It's like, yeah, it's not as good as that. But if you you mm -hmm. eat a little less of that stuff, a little bit more of this stuff, your palate does change. Oh, yeah. I, I see that with water. Okay. So, you know, people are like, I have a, such a hard time drinking water. And then they're adding fucking like eight times a day, like the crystal light packets, which, hey, that's great, right? If that's getting you to drink your water, but also it's skewing up your taste buds. Like you now you're consistently wanting these things that are sweet because that's all you taste is like the sweet. Um, like drink normal water with fucking lemon in it. It's not that hard. Get a straw, put some ice in your water. <laughs> you know, you don't need like high sea water all day, all day Fact. long. Yeah. Um, I do see that. Yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot of like the, and, and that's, that's not, I'm not like, I don't know what the point of saying that is other than I think that there's some level of faith where if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, yeah, but I don't like more simplified foods or simple meals now. Yeah. Okay. We can still make shit taste good with seasoning and, and some condiments and all this stuff. We can mm -hmm. make, we can make stuff that tastes good, but there is an element of like, Yes, you're never you're never going to really enjoy like a well put together salad if like 99% of the time you're eating fast food. It's just like it doesn't taste as good. Let's yeah. be real. And so there is a reference and a bit of faith of like my palate will change over time. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been on this other tirade lately, not so much on social media, and I'm sure I'll post about it at some point. But like, I actually don't know this, so I'm not sure. I haven't done enough like research in my in my following, but I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on full day of eating posts where like. I'll pose my perspective here. And this is my perspective because I haven't done enough mm -hmm. research on this, but like you post a lot of food and you're like, you're, mm -hmm. I'm guessing your point is like, here, here are examples. Like you said, visuals, options, mm -hmm. inspiration for people to go on and create their own versions of this. Yeah. And, and, and when people do full day of eating posts, there's two camps. There's the one camp that's like, Hey, I'm just doing that for someone. I'm just showing them examples of stuff. And then there's mm -hmm. the other camp of like, you're making these foods sound like as if this is the, they're special. Like they are, this is exactly how you got to look the way you look and that these, mm -hmm. these meals are special. I don't know. Do, do people actually take it that way? I, whenever I love watching full day of eating posts and I just think these are uh, opportunities for inspiration or, or yeah. am I saying that from where I'm sitting and that's not fair because other people are taking it like gospel. I think from my perspective, um, the full day of eating posts, I think it depends who's doing them. I can't stand when someone's doing a, this is what I eat in a day and they're fucking in a bikini yeah, and like a my, and then, flex. and then they're like first meals, a fucking arugula smoothie or, you know, some nasty ass, just 
<laughs> like whole foods, you know, barely 500 calories. There's the, that camp. Um, and then, you know, I was doing what I eat in a day a, a little while ago. Now I do, I'll do like what I eat in a week to show people what I eat in a week. Yeah, that's cool. When I was doing the what I eat in a days, I was getting a lot of how many calories is this? What do you weigh? Um, they wanted to mimic and not get ideas from the meals, but kind of like copy what I'm eating because they thought that that's what they should be doing to get to where I am. And that's what I don't like about those because people will really feed into or try to um, use the same calories you are. Um, I get so many DMs like, what height are you? What's your weight? Um, I get that a lot. I'm like, I'm not, why do you need to know that? That's not helping you. Like I I'm showing you things that you can make to fit your day. Like you can eat any of this stuff, but make it fit into your life. This fits into my life. Um, and I think that's where people get a little bit skewed is they really want to just copy what you're doing. That's helpful perspective. You you have a larger following and I'm sure you have a ton of that, uh, just like more R&D of doing that, of posting it and seeing how people respond to it. It, it, mm -hmm. it So when when someone says that, oh, what height are you? How many calories are you eating? Like whatever, like it, it, Brings me back to a, 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 a. Actually, I have a video waiting in the wings being edited right now about like what that tells me is that this person thinks that their struggles come from not having the right numbers. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm missing. I'm, I'm, I must not have the right. I just really need to figure out my numbers. It's like, yeah, it's like it just comes back to that. Like, why ask you how many, how what height you are, as if that they are going to ultimately find out a number for them and that's their hurdle. Guys, right. use any fucking calorie calculator out there, any of them, literally body weight times 12 or, or mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Precision Nutrition has one or, or tdecalculator.net or literally any of them and just fucking start, just fucking start. Um, yeah. Nothing about Beth's height, weight, age, activity level is going to help you. Even if you are a clone of her, you are different genetically and that mm -hmm. it could be, could make a difference up to like 25, 30%. And so it's just not helping. You don't need another number. You don't need another one-off macro count. Right. Um, and so that's a, sorry for the rant, but that had, that had to happen. No, but it's so, it's so true. I, it's, it's amazing how many people will ask me that. And it's frustrating because I, I, I get it. Cause I was that person and be like, oh, I wonder how many calories she's eating. Like, you know, yeah, we're interested. You know, sure. it, you know it, it, it's interesting, but also you can get caught up in the comparison and just let it be a cesspool of you just not starting or taking action, like you said, yeah. you know, yeah. um, comparison, comparing yourself to someone else never works out in the end. We're also in the age of eating more is cool. And so I think we're recoiling into like people pumping their numbers up of like, oh, yeah, I'm eating 2,500 calories. I'm 111 yeah. pounds. And I'm like. I'm like, are you, are you like, is this like a really good way for you to pitch your reverse diet? <laughs> I actually, I did my, um, I got my RMR tested, um, in San Diego when I was there, I went to the San Diego, um, what is it? I think it was like the nutrition science center, um, for SDSU. Um, and I had like, I had to fast for 12 or fast for 12 hours at least before I couldn't have any coffee. Um, I went to San Diego to go see Coldplay. So Hell it was yeah. like the, the night after the Coldplay concert, I had no sleep. I was on like, uh, my biological clock was still on East coast yep. time. And so I showed up like <laughs> tired as hell, Holy hungry. Shit. And so when they did it, um, it, my RMR is actually lower than I thought. I was surprised. So actually, but my maintenance was right where my coach figured it would be. I was going in there thinking, you know what? My maintenance has got to be more than this. And how do they factor in your activity level? Um, they do that after the RMR. So they ask you about your life 
I'm, I'm guessing or yeah well they asked my height um my weight and that's basically it for the rmr but for then RMR, after the, yeah but the, for the yeah, maintenance calories like your for eating. the maintenance calories they'll add they added the exercise the lifestyle and activity resting energy expenditure and then total energy output would would equal my maintenance so i'm not going to say the numbers people are but, dying to know the numbers let me just tell you, you know? people are dying to hear <laughs> no 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 i don't want you to either yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I will say that my resting meta- energy, my RMR was twelve ninety six, which the guy said it was seven percent lower than the normal. And I was like, okay, well, is there something like maybe wrong? Like, do I have like hypothyroidism? Is that maybe a possibility? Seven percent less. Yeah, and he's like, um, when's the last time you had that tested? I'm like, a year or two ago. He's like, no, you're fine. He's yeah. like, I wouldn't honestly. He's like, you're you have a smaller body. Um, you just it's just the way you're built, and you know, just keep strength training and moving. And I was like. All right. So I really do have to focus on uh, making sure that my neat is always up and then I'm strength training um, because I will gain weight quicker if I don't pay attention to that. So yeah. um, doesn't mean you ha- guys have to go and get your RMR tested. It, I do it for data and the, the data ended up being correct for where my coach actually thought my maintenance was. So and 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 ironically, as far as I know, RMR is usually in an eight eight to 10 times body weight, somewhere in that range. And so that probably checks out decently well, I'm guessing like, um, you know, eight to 10 times body weight ish probably is that that's pretty ballpark for you. And uh, interestingly enough, like people are like, uh, there's an assumption that having a higher RMR like is better and RMR does not correlate with body fat level. And so like, if you have a higher RMR, like that does not tell us about your predisposition for being fatter or leaner or whatever, having more body fat, less body fat. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't correlate with body weight, body fat loss maintenance. And so like people who lose weight, and then we look at all the people who maintained it for the long term, it wasn't all the people that had higher uh, RMRs. And so I'm not saying it's totally irrelevant, but I am saying that there's right. like this, like if I could just burn more calories and I'd be fine. If I could just burn more calories, it'd be fine. It's like, there's just no correlation that burning more calories yeah. at rest is actually the genetic advantage. That's that there are other genetic advantages, probably down to mm-hmm. satiety signaling, but it's probably not, I burn more calories than you, you know? Right. Although that exactly. uh, from a privilege, like I'm not like uh, some fucking caveats here, but like, sure, sure. Um, I'd say the benefit to having a higher, uh, being able to eat more calories in this context is mostly down to the fact that living in a food environment where we are today, going out to eat in restaurants, we're not getting like RMR scaled meals. We're all getting large meals. And so, yeah, it's harder right. to, it's harder to navigate social events with less food. That's definitely true. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do, um, let's, uh, let's do quickly. I mean, I, I think I like whatever I'm, um, I think I use a decent amount of F-bombs, but I fucking love your content for the fact that you're just, <laughs> whatever, you're just, you're just, I'm sure you're not everyone's cup of tea, but you're plenty yeah. people's cup of tea based on how well you're doing, which is awesome. But you get some comments of like, I wish you didn't curse so much. Is that something that has died down now after people just like, are going to take it? Um, if I have a video that's going uh, it, it comes in waves. Like if I have a video that's doing really well and I get a new audience, like yeah, I think yeah, you're yeah. swearing, you know, it's usually a lot of never men. It's always women, which is kind of interesting. Um, but you know, we're like, why are you doing that? It's like, if people don't know you like outside of your creating content, I've been swearing. I mean, from the East coast, um, I worked in the bar industry for 20 years, you know, and in LA and I, I'm a recovering alcoholic. It's like, we just don't, I'm, I'm me. Like I, if you're, if I'm not swearing, then, you know, I don't give a fuck anymore. (laughs) It's like, it's like, I'm passionate. It's like that East coast passion that comes out. Um, it's funny because when I was coaching at the gym, um, I have gifts from clients with like 
fuck bandanas. I have fuck socks. It, it's just been something that it, it's just my language, you know, um, and I, it wouldn't be me if I was to try to filter myself and I, I, I it wouldn't be fun for me to make content. Um, if I had to try to stop swearing, like I'd literally have to focus on not being me. Yeah, it just, it's also not that complicated. Like, I just don't understand. Like, imagine like you go to a restaurant and you order the food and then like you like go into the back and you're like, hey, like your food would be a lot better if you use less pepper or something like <laughs> like but like it's like, well, I, I just don't understand the going into somebody's audience and being like, uh, like, why, why, why? What if it's not your cup of tea? Don't come back to the restaurant. Like, it's OK. Yeah. You don't need to, you know, whatever the whole like it's not a it's not an airport. You don't have to announce your departure or your displeasure. You know? Oh, like, yeah. Um. And I don't even think we need to spend much time on it because you're like, hey, it's it's me being me and I'd have to expend more energy to not be me and and I'd burn mm -hmm. out and I'd ultimately do less good. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> T tell me about we got a couple minutes here. Tell me about what you're talking about. The coaches Summit. did you decide on what you're going to what the top I um, I decided to work with actually a speaker coach, Hell which yeah. I randomly randomly found and I'm, because I want to come prepared. I don't you know, I've never spoken before, obviously. I mean, I've done like Zooms and things like that. And, you know, I make content, but it's not like speaking in front of an audience trying to teach them something. Um, so I think I've been working on topics right now. I think I'm going to go with like, uh, I have five tips to show up authentically for your clients, your employees and your audience. Awesome. That's going to be great. And you're whatever. Now we're like kind of off air here, but I think that I'll just say making the I've spoken one time in my life. This is this is just an opinion based on fucking one. I've been to a million different conferences also. And so I've been on the other end of it. But like, if I could give two cents, it would be spending just an, a small amount of effort making the actual visual of the presentation kind of pleasing. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't hire a speaking coach, although that's an amazing idea and totally could have done that. I hired uh, someone to help me with the presentation, like and, uh -huh. and putting it together and organizing in a way that was like not super fucking boring. Um, right. And I think that that went a long way from feedback that I got. So that, that would be my two cents. So you said don't get caught up in the presentation part, like the like PD, like the. Uh... Well, I would just may may spend a second to like make it uh, to to make it good. I know what, what good means is is interesting, but I was like I made it on like mm -hmm. Canva, and my version mm -hmm. of making it is like bullet, just a couple bullet points that I'm going to be able to talk off of. But like mm -hmm. I couldn't, I don't have any artistic ability. I couldn't make it. It doesn't need to be a, the fucking Mona Lisa, but like right. just just like making it look uh, somewhat visually pleasing because it can get mm -hmm. stuffy in there and it can get you nasally of like you just talking yeah. at people and just having a couple things to break it up was like kind of yeah. nice. Yeah. You're going to do great with that. Yeah. You're funny. You're not. I think like I'm going to bring out like old videos of like when I started coaching where, you know, I have my business partner and I, when he was like teaching me um, the barbell deadlift cues and he was like recording me over and over and over again. And I was so fucking hungry and I was getting so pissed at him. <laughs> I mean, there's so many like clips from when I started coaching at the gym, like in even the certified functional strength coach cert. Um, I failed the first in-person exam because I went in there telling myself I was going to fail. So, you know, I knew what I was doing, but as I'm doing it, I'm like, yeah, you're going to fucking fail. And of course they're like, you did two things wrong. We need you to re videotape them. So I'm at the gym with my now business partner and he's retaping these things. That I had to send to Mike Boyle to get approved. And so I'm going to like show like stuff like that. And as you know, things like that. Do I guess. you have, if you look back at those times, a oh man, I think about those times, um, 
do you have things that you look back on? You're like, wow, I can't fucking believe I did that or said that or encouraged people to do that or like coached and said that to people. I'll give one is that I, I have a direct quote. I swear, crack me up. I said to people, (laughs) if you could only do one thing for your health, it would be keep your blood sugar as low as possible at all times. Like that, those words have come out of my mouth and I just look back on that and crack myself up. I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. You know, I was those never miss a Monday, you know, nice. the David Goggins, okay. like I had a David Goggins phase, um, shit like that, like hard, you know, stay hard, stay hard, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> stay hard for more than eight hours. You should go to the you doctor. Know, that should absolutely like, go to the doctor. If you're not, uh, if you're not running fucking 20 miles a week, what are you doing? You know, that type of thing. But the, yeah, I'm not like that anymore. Did you, did you, you have to meet people where they're at. Yeah. yeah. Did you find that, that, that there was a level of, uh, extremism that like helped like as like a jumping off point that like you look back it helped on it. me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. I thrive on that kind of stuff. So, yeah. but not a lot of people do. True, true, true. And I think the Gog- Goggins <laughs> is not everyone's cup of tea. And I and I can no. take Goggins for what, and I had a Goggins, we, dude, I've, I've Goggins book on the wall. I have all these like books. And I look back and I, a little cringe, but I'm like, yeah, but that, that's sort of jumping in with both feet all in, like l- fucking living it, identifying as it, like mm-hmm. it, it helped me get in deep enough to eventually take a step back and reform my identity now in my thirties, let's yeah. say. Um, but yeah, I think that, that that's pretty normal. Can't hurt me. Got me through marathon training. I listened to that audiobook while running 17 wow, fucking miles. That. I got to try. I'm training for half marathon right now. And Are I'm you? The, yeah, I'm the worst runner. I'm, I'm the worst cardiovascular fitness oh, of all time. Oh, man. Um, Listen to that book while training. It'll get you through it. Trust me. I, uh, oh my God. Interesting. I, I, um, so right before COVID, I, you know, enrolled in a Sugarloaf marathon, my first one, and trained the whole entire winter in Maine. All right, listening to Jesus. can't hurt me. <laughs> so, like and then it was it, out in the fucking was, frigid weather. You know, it was April. It was, uh, and it got canceled because of COVID four weeks before the fucking marathon. I was so pissed. So I trained up until like taper. Um, and people are around my, you know, locally were like, well, why don't you just do it locally by yourself and we'll support you? I'm like, fuck no, I'll never train for a marathon again. I'm yeah, done. I'm done. This was it. So Sorry, I was like, you know people. what? There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that, that was good. Were you lifting during that time or you were like, hey, I'm I, I was yeah. um, that. Yeah, I was lifting a couple days a week and running 30 miles a week. Jesus Christ. Good for you. I know. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And coaching and coaching and working and yeah, freezing your fucking nuts off in Maine. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. We have, what, we're, we're heading up on an hour here. I want to be respectful of your time. Give people a, a shout where they can find you. TikTok, Instagram, uh, coaching, all that good stuff. Uh, you can find me at bethfrockofitness.com. If you're interested in coaching, you can apply there. And then I'm a uh, Beth Frocko Fitness, uh, TikTok, Instagram. I have a podcast called Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt. Um, and that's about it, I think. Cool. Yeah, yeah I'm sure I'm, I'm sure people know who you are by now, but if they don't, then they should now. So I appreciate your time. Super fun chat, Beth. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.